episode 15, which is kind of a milestone, I suppose. I, I take milestones in five, so I made it this far. I'm happy with that. This one is with Jared Shavelson. He is the drummer in Ways Away, amongst other bands. Uh, we recorded this in June over FaceTime, which was an issue because I didn't communicate with Jared proper on what he needed, and we spent about 30, 45 minutes trying to figure out wires and interfaces and band camp and all that shit. Uh, not band camp, garage band. And I thank Jared a lot because that was very frustrating. But he did it, and the mix sounds quite good. I'm happy with it. This is kind of like the last of the episodes that are going to sound a bit fuzzy because I figured out the reason why my mics were picking up so much fuzz and it was such an easy mistake. It's incredible. It took me 14 months to figure it out. So hopefully they all sound fucking Joe Rogan material. Uh, yeah, I did as much research as I could in this one. I knew a bit about Jared already, so went with it. And it turned out very well, I think. Hopefully the Pure Love demos we spoke about get a get a, like a release in like years to come because that sounds very interesting also if anybody can find the hope conspiracy uh, shows that are recorded in the bbc swindon i can't find them anywhere we spoke about it in the podcast so if anybody knows where those are please send them my way also a wee thing that annoyed me when i listened to it back i said the first pure love show was in the scala it wasn't it was the second show they did the first one i believe was in the coco in london uh, but yeah, that was a wee thing that annoyed me. So anyway, thank you to anyone who's listened and is a returning listener. Or if you're just a fan of Jared, thank you for checking this podcast out. And yeah, usual shit, like it, share it if you could, and rate it because analytics and pish. So big thanks to Jared. And yeah, episode fifteen. You know what? It doesn't really matter. It's totally fine because as long as we, like your clap will come through quite high on the on the on the edit, so you'll see what it is. So it doesn't honestly doesn't matter. My editor's top class, so he'll be able to to match it very well. So all right, right. So you're so you're definitely recording. Yeah, we're all good. Yep, all good. Okay, let's going. let's start it. Right, perfect. Great, let's do it. Okay, half an hour in, <laughs> half an hour later, we get there, but. We usually have like so many options on how to do things. It's never the simple way. It's always yeah. You know? I know. I know. I know. It's always the hard way. But anyway, yeah. Right, Jared. Thank you so much uh, for agreeing to do this with me. Um, is this this isn't your first podcast, is it? No, it's not. No. What else have you done? I mean, you just done like. Uh, me personally, I've just by myself, not with a band. I did one. Um, uh, I forget the name. But I did one not that long ago, a couple of years ago, 
early like uh pandemic and um but then i've done a bunch with different bands but yeah it's it's and then i did actually another one um there was this so there was one that i did with a guy in florida and i'm really sorry that i forget the name of his podcast and then i did one with um with uh my friend and guitar player naraj kane he had he has one with um with fred Ziomek as well from darkest hour and god glider so i did yeah. that also i forget the names of them all i'm terrible at that no it's fine no i'm just uh when i messaged you i was very very chuffed that you replied and said yes so i just want to yeah, get your course. name right it's shavelson or shavelson shavelson it's Sh- yeah shavelson jared shavelson jared shavelson yeah. perfect okay uh i kind of start off kind of every podcast the same way it's just kind of getting a rough background in yourself so where did you grow up mate i grew up in new jersey um which if you're not familiar with states it's like the northeast so uh about 10 minutes outside of philadelphia in a suburb town there and then um moved up to new york went to college in new york state um lived in new york city lived in boston lived in Philadelphia a bunch so like back and forth between those three places once I got out of high school sweet uh, what was your kind of your first kind of taste in music what was getting played growing up going around the house what was your parents what was influence yeah a lot of classic rock actually my dad was really into uh, and still is really into records and collecting records and so we listened to a lot of classic rock and jazz and uh it was it was kind of that era that got me interested in playing music, you know. Um, hearing Led Zeppelin and John Bonham definitely was like a a bit of um, a bit of a kick in the ass that like this is the only thing that I I'm interested in, you know. Yeah. yeah. So it was it was definitely mom, more than your mom. My mom, she, she was actually uh, a, a nursery school teacher or preschool teacher, but funny thing about that is she was um she was also a really talented musician like she she just had a really nice like touch on piano or something so she was the music teacher for preschool but she didn't really pursue it she just had like you know she just liked to play and so we did uh we did have a little bit of a musical family and my sister I have an older sister and she grew up playing music as well too but um she did more musical theater so I was the only one who decided that I was going to take a really loud instrument and, you know, be obnoxious. Did you ever try and take on the piano, no? Yeah, when I was in college, I actually had to learn. It was a required class because I went to school studying jazz performance. And so oh, that, wow. was a requ- yeah, that was a required class in there is, um, is piano. Like you couldn't move on if you didn't do that. That's a really specific kind of, not genre, but like a very specific course to take. How did you get into something like that? Well, I got into jazz when I was younger as well, too, because like I said, my dad would play records. And when I was a kid, I would go see my uncle in New York City and we would go to jazz clubs and just watch people play. And there was one time I went to go see the Mingus big band play at some dive bar. And it was incredible. And I realized like. I was already into like, you know, rock and roll and stuff, but I realized that it was kind of the same and like jazz and rock and roll are kind of the same. They were like, you know, rebellious, even though jazz has this very like straight laced um, image, 
there's some people have a straight laced image of it. It was it's very rebellious. It's a it's it's its own thing, you know, and it's kind of like a big fuck you to everybody, but it's really advanced, you know. Um, and so I kind of got the same vibe from going to jazz clubs than I did from going to rock concerts. Is it like I'm going by like a Simpsons episode here, like when you sit with a cigarette in your hand at a table for two facing the stage. Is that what I'm dealing with here? Is that what happens in a jazz club or is that just <laughs> bleeding gums Murphy? <laughs> well, you know what? Back then, yes, because you could still smoke inside, right? So everyone... Oh, just, yeah, apart from the cigarettes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's... Yeah, I mean, it's... um, It gets pretty rowdy, but not like fights rowdy. Like everyone's sitting there, but you're just... You're just watching the musicians and... um. You can see that what they're doing is is just like spur of the moment their excuse me their attitude their their personality their like I don't know it's 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 edgy and like it's unpredictable and I love that about it. Is it so like I started studying jamming pretty much. Yeah, but there's structure, you know. Right, so there's okay, yeah. you know there's still structure and there's still um there's still a format just like in rock, you know. Like, you know, when you go to a, a punk show or a rock show or, or anything that there's going to be some intro, then the song's going to happen. And then, you know, like there's going to be a heavy part. You can, you know, when these things are going to happen versus when they're not. And it's the same thing, except for, um, in jazz, they introduce that and then they just go fucking crazy and then they all come back together. So it's like this kind of beautiful ballet of, of, um, of organization and then chaos and then you know, complete control again. So it, it, to me, it just, it just is kind of everything that I, I, I look for in music. I've never really thought about jazz that way at all. Like you said, there's obviously a pre-misconception or, you know what I mean, from everybody, most people, but what jazz is and what you just described it is not what I would think, but that'd be yeah. quite something I'd look into. Um, yeah, I so, mean, you can even you can even go as far as to listen to some of the classic albums, and even though you've heard them that way, they were still done spur of the moment. Like the solos that are done weren't planned out solos necessarily, you know. So they are still kind of vibing off each other. It just becomes normal. It's like when you listen to when you hear one song so many times that you don't you think you don't like that band because you've heard a song so many times. Then you listen to another song of that band, you go, "Oh wait, this band's really good." It's just you you know, you get used to one thing being one way, but it's yeah, it's I, I just I just absolutely love it. But that's what I went to school studying, yeah. So how did the drums become into it then, apart from trying to get the loudest instrument in the in the house? <laughs> well, the drums came because I heard Led Zeppelin and I heard John Bonham and I I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. It was one of the most incredible things I've ever heard because it just makes you move. It's um it it was contagious, you know. I just needed more. And that was as a young kid. I was probably in second grade. Led Zeppelin 2? What's that? Was it Led Zeppelin 2? Yeah. Um, I don't know which album it was, actually. I wonder. Just, that's a good question. I, I just, my dad would just play stuff, you know, and I just remember yeah. hearing things. I wish I remembered which song was the first song I heard of Led Zeppelin. Yeah, there's I do know one song that like clicks for you, I, and that's the one that you remember. You I know. Mean? I wish. I wish, like, in a weird way, I could almost say that it could even be Stairway to Heaven because I know my dad loved that song. But when yeah. the drums do come in on that song, it's not at all what you expect, you know? And it's No, no, not after, like, four minutes of just 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like quietness and then it kicks in. That was my first Led Zeppelin song I ever heard, actually, was, was Stairway. Um, yeah, it, it might like, be yeah. mine too. It might be. I remember singing that in karaoke when I was younger and I'd totally bring down the vibe. Everyone singing like Robbie Williams or, I don't know, like S Club 7 or just like, I don't know, some like Madonna or something like that. And I'm like, oh, can yeah. I sing Stairway to Heaven? I'm just going to bring the vibe down for a fucking everybody. <laughs> yeah, for about 15 minutes, everyone focus yeah. on me. <laughs> <And> <laughs> so... Right, Zeppelin got you into the drums. The parents, mm-hmm. obviously, did they just get you a drum set or was it like, right, you're getting punted off to do lessons out the house or was it invited in the noise? Uh, it started with um, with just a practice pad and a pair of sticks because, um, you know, drum sets are expensive and it's a big commitment. It's loud. So the sticks and a practice pad. And uh, I think I took a year of lessons on just that to show that I was committed to like, to that, to, to what the drums are going to be, you know? And then I got, um, I got a hand-me-down drum set. We found one used and bought it and it was great. I loved it. And I just was hooked from then, you know? And you so I'd say, doing, sorry, sorry. I would say probably a year after I started, I, I got into like drum set, and, but I was taking lessons the whole time. How did you get into like playing with bands and that? Then was it like a slow prog- progression at school? Did you know other people? Was it like a like a, I don't even like a music club or something or something like that? Well, I did all that too, but I would say, as far as bands go, that was just you know how organically it works when you're with a bunch of friends and you're trying one thing, you try another. We would play, you know, some of my friends were playing hockey. I tried that, didn't work. We'd go skateboarding. That was great. Then I got into like BMX riding. That was all great. But every time I did something like skateboarding or BMX, I would get hurt and I'd be like, I can't play drums. And so they were like, all right, well, we'll play instruments too because we could do it all together. And we all lived in the neighborhood. So then we started bands and um, started covering. I remember when I was in, um, I think like the first band that I started, we just did like no effects covers and propaganda covers and stuff, you know, like I think we covered like, disconnected by face to face and just did like punk covers you know um and then we started uh like a a hardcore band and uh somebody actually from that band just sent me the flyer that we put at the local record store looking for a singer he just sent it to me like two weeks ago he somebody found it yeah and it was really funny yeah was that late 90s late 90s roughly yeah it was probably 96 right okay so what yeah. was your first band's name? Like the one that did the No Effects covers or did you, were you just like a kind of covers um, for a laugh band? Just covers. And, yeah, we just did it in the basement. I, honestly, we did have a name. We were called um, Haywire. <laughs> we were just, we just thought it was badass, you know? I had that written down, actually. It's part no. of one of my notes. I think I did. Hold on a minute. Nah, I'm talking shit. Nah, I didn't. Okay. Nah, that's not one of it. Yeah, that would be incredible if you did. But my first <laughs> band of, research going, yeah. Yeah, the first band of me touring or doing shows out was the the hardcore band that I started in ninety six. And that band was called Trading Places. Right, okay. I don't have that one written down. Okay. Tell me about Trading yeah. Places. Trading Places. X Trading Places X. We were a straight edge band. Yeah, straight edge band. We were. What yes. a, who were the members in that? What was the was it just punk, punk for the sake of being punk, pretty much? Yeah, we were just a bunch of hardcore kids that were lost. And we did a lot of local shows in the Philadelphia, South Jersey area. Um, yeah. And uh, the, the, we had two singers. One of them ended up 
I forget the name. He was in some metal band. And then we had a singer who came in after him and he ended up working for Ferret Records for a while. Um, and then the bass player, his name is Eric. And he actually, he had a, a really great band called The Drowners. And um, they're, they're awesome. And I played a couple shows with them too over the past couple of years. They're from New York and they, um, they did pretty well. They played Coachella and stuff like they got, they got pretty well known. Oh, nice. Um, and then the two guitar players ended up, one is a doctor and the other one, um, who I, he's the one who sent me the, uh, the, the, the flyer he does. He works for, um, a company that makes like Gore-Tex and stuff, you know? All right. So yeah, he's a, but he like races cars. He's always been into racing cars. So he still does that. Um, yeah, we all still stay in touch. It's pretty great. You know, known those guys almost my whole life. What a, what other bands do you have on? Right, so I'll, I'll get to the point. I've got my first band I've got written down is uh, No Without, Man Without Plan. Man Without Plan. So that was in yeah. college. Yeah. We were a cool band. That band's still doing stuff. Um, when I joined that band, we were on Creep Records. And that's when I was in school studying music. And so we were all just a bunch of music school nerds that loved punk rock. And um, so we were kind of like the yes of punk rock. You know, we didn't really play anything in straight four, but we played super fast and we played like crazy time signatures. Um, and it was just, it was, it was fun and it was raw. And yeah. uh, funny thing about that is when I was in that band, we were recording and we went and played some basement show. And that is, this basement show we played was with a band called R5. And R5 is where the members of that band are members of Painted Black. So that's when I met the guys, from, some of the guys from Painted Black. Painted Black, yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. Uh, and then was it straight into the Hope Conspiracy from A Man Without Plan? It was, yeah. I dropped out of college and went on tour with Hope Conspiracy. Um, as soon as I dropped out, we went on tour like right when I met them and started playing with them, we did a tour with Reach the Sky and Stretch Armstrong. And that was 2002, right before EndNote came out. And then we went to Europe for the first time with Snapcase right after that. Nice. Uh, how did you get into Hope Conspiracy? Was it just friends? Because Hope Conspiracy was already started, wasn't it? Yeah, it was already started. Yeah. Their drummer had just left. And in fact, there's a drum set next to me, which you can't see, but... Um, I heard it earlier on when you were setting up, <laughs> when you're not yeah. into the symbol. <laughs> yeah, we're bumping into it. So that's my friend Ben Kohler from Converge. He, so we share a studio here, and Hope Conspiracy was on tour with Converge, and Ben was actually playing that show at my school. Man Without Plan played a show with them. Um, and so I had met them at that show and, uh, and then drove up to Boston a couple weeks later to uh, start playing with them. Nice. I uh, yeah, yeah I, like I said before, I spoke to uh, Steve Sears from Cry for Silence, and he mentioned that one of his first gigs outside of England was in Scotland in a place called Dundee with the Hope mm -hmm. Conspiracy. Do you remember? Mm -hmm. Do you remember that too? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Is that like one of Very your clearly. first? Yeah, was that one of your first from well, first European surely? No, that might have been. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if that was, if that was the first trip we were there. Then it would have been after the Snapcase tour. We stayed late 
Uh, we stayed a couple weeks and did our own headlining shows, and they might have been on that. I know it ended at the Underworld. In Camden. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. I know it ended there, and um, and I still stay in touch with the bass player who that was his first tour, and now he's, you know, quite a legend. Oh, cry for sure? Oh, V-Man. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so I thought you meant of uh, the Hope Conspiracy. I was like, right, okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, did you see him at Download? Well, obviously, you didn't see him physically, but he was obviously taking over the world at Download. I, I didn't. There. Yeah, he's just, he's the best. He's super talented. He he deserves everything he's he's doing. I oh, know. Yeah, he's somebody I'd love to speak to. Um, yeah, he's, he's great. There's a lot of people kind of around him I've kind of spoken to already and I've got plans to speak to, but he, he'd be like, he'd be feeling not, I could probably talk to him for like hours without mentioning Slipknot, you know what I mean? Like other things yeah. he's done. So it's great to feel. Cool. So we've got the Hope Conspiracy. Uh, mm-hmm. You were in, how many years were you in Hope Conspiracy for? Was that until the end? There is no end, actually. There is no end. It's just kind of still going. Yeah. Yeah, we never stopped. Uh, I joined that band in 2002 and continue to play with them now. We haven't played out in 13 years, I think, but we yeah. never broke up. And yeah. um, we just all have, you know, life just happens and we moved and we still stay in touch. And um, yeah, we we will have some new music out soon, actually. Oh, nice. Yeah, I just yeah. assumed that you the, the band had stopped. That was my bad. Um, yeah, yeah, we yeah, decided yeah, we would. Long. <laughs> yeah, well, we just never, we never broke up. You know, I don't, there was no reason to break up, you know? There's no reason to say, hey, we're, we're not doing this anymore. It just, it just didn't have to happen. Um, and we, we just have stayed in touch and we wrote, we would just get together and write songs when we can. And we realized we had enough for an album. And we were really happy with what we did. So we went and we actually just recorded a full length and an EP. Oh, so, really? So it's not, not obviously not been released yet? It's not even it's, done yet. It's not even done. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. That's that's crazy, man. Yeah. Sometimes when bands, like, you'll get the standard issue, um, like, Facebook post of, uh, of, like, writing saying that we're done and that. And then they come back, like, three or four years later because they realize they missed it. It's good to keep it open-ended like like you said there's no reason for the, the conspiracy to, to stop so right. it's good that you can always have it in the back burner just in case like all years decide right i'm i'm ready for it are you you know what i mean yeah i mean we could if you know if we ever decided that it was like all right we're done we can't go any further then of course but we weren't there you know we didn't yeah. need to do that and uh yeah so we will have something out and it and it's it's going to be awesome. We're all, like, you know, we're, we're pretty stoked on uh, what we've come up with. Is it the same lineup? Up. Same lineup. Well, it's the same lineup as one of the last albums. <laughs> I don't know. So Death, it's, it's, um, Death Knows Your Name, no. Yeah. Death Knows Your Name, but it has, um, it has, uh, one less guitar player. I think. I think we had three on that record. And we only have two on this record. Yeah. Right, okay. I actually got given Death Knows Your Name um, back when you'd go to your friend's house and you'd like fuck around with a CD collection. And I was like, it's a really cool cover. And yeah. then he's like, yeah, listen to it. And I took it home with me and burned it onto my iPod. And I really fucking loved it. It was a great, great album. Uh, oh, yeah, thank you. It was like 2006, that was, I think. 
I didn't yeah. get it till like 2010 or something. I remember just being kind of blown away with it. Um, awesome. And then Thank I you. found out, I found out like uh, at the same time that Jim Carroll from Pure Love was in Milk Conspiracy as well. And I was like, yeah. Was he was he was a touring guitarist, I think, or was he just was he an actual member? Yeah, yeah. He's he he did um all the solos mostly actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. He he played he played on the new stuff as well too. Oh, bang him! Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was also was in, in Pure Love. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know. Yeah. That's uh, that's how I know yeah. who you are, mate. That's uh, oh, okay. yeah. Uh, obviously, reading the credits of anthems. Mm-hmm. And then uh, that's one of my favorite things to do is when I get a record, I love sitting, like reading the lyrics, etc. You read the thank yous, you read the shout outs and that, and then you you see who's in what, and then looked you up, and then you're obviously you're obviously in the Hope Conspiracy as well, which is kind of goes hand in hand with Jim. That's how I found pure love to you know what I mean to the Hope Conspiracy, you know what I mean. So with yourself, yeah, that's uh, awesome, and that's really cool that you still do that because that's kind of like the old school way of finding out about stuff that I feel like doesn't. Well, you're you're proving that it does, but I feel like it doesn't exist as much as it used to. Nah, you know? it doesn't. It doesn't. I always love reading the the thank you in bands, uh, and then that leads you to find other bands, which is yeah. always the best. But yeah, one of the best. I don't know. If, do you buy physical copies much? Yeah, I do. I like to buy um, records when I can. The problem is, oftentimes I get really excited about a band that I'm seeing live on tour and then I don't know how I'm going to get the record home without it getting damaged. So I have to like then come home and find a record store that has it or order it from a distro. And when I really want it in the moment, you know, but I, there's, I just don't think that I'll ever get them home without bending. Is that just from touring? I take it you always, there's always a band on the bill you didn't know about. Is that quite a common thing? Yeah, exactly. Nice. Yeah. So then I'll listen to them on Spotify until I can get home, you know, and then yeah. I just have like notes and lists of records to buy, you know, tons yeah. of notes. And- I, uh, and I always love just sitting uh, headphones on, lyrics out, read it, and just the best way to experience it, in my opinion. I mean, Isn't Spotify it obviously, best, yeah. Spotify will take over, but it is what it is. Uh, uh, right. So yeah. Hope Conspiracy, open ended, mm-hmm. new stuff hopefully coming eventually. Uh, yeah. Was it Boy Sets Fire next or Paint It Black? Actually, it was None More Black next. None More Black? Yeah. Oh, right. This is a satire album. Right, okay. Yeah. Right, okay. So None More Black came before Painted Black. And, uh, and that was really a big thing for me because uh, I grew up as a massive, massive Kid Dynamite fan. Huge. Like, they are one of the greatest bands that come out of Philadelphia, you know, and, um, and they, and so playing with Jason Shevchek was a huge thing. And then on top of Jason having Paul Delaney and, and, uh, Colin McGinnis in the band, these are just like, these are just legends to me, you know? So playing with them and traveling with them and touring with them, recording with them was just huge. And I'm really happy with what we did. We ended up recording with Jay Robbins, which was a, an absolutely incredible moment for me because I'm a huge Jawbox fan. So getting to meet Jay was, was massive. We worked really well together. And then I joined Paint of Black and we also recorded with Jay Robbins. Um, so yeah, it was huge. But yeah, No More Black first, then Paint of Black. So how did you get into Paint of Black? Paint of Black, how was... You know, it was kind of the same thing. Also a massive 
lifetime kid dynamite fan. So Dan Yeeman was like, you know, he was untouchable to me. It was my first concert was going to see lifetime. So, you know, it was oh, really? huge. Yeah. And so when I finally got, when he called me and asked me to join his band, it was definitely like, in my mind, that was as big as it got, you know, lifetime was like the biggest band from the area. So that was a huge compliment. Um, and I think it was just the same kind of thing. Like, uh, we all had the same mutual friends. And like I said, with man without plan, I had met the guitar player and the bass player in their old bands. Um, so we had already known each other from that. And then we kind of grew up in the same region and we were in the same age group. And so we kind of had the same group, you know, friend group. And it just worked out. It, it was an awesome thing to, to join with them. And then, um, then I stopped playing with No More Black and was only doing Hope Conspiracy and Paint of Black for a while. And so I got to focus on just the two for a bit. It was a good time. Was Hope Conspiracy, was that the kind of bigger of the two or three yeah. at the time? Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. was the most I active. So. Yeah, that was the most active for about only three years, though. And then Paint of Black took over. Yeah. I take it by that time then you'd been known around the scene in your your town or you know what I mean in the in the genre as a as a very good drummer you you did session work as well as being in bands um mm. so was it by that time you starting to did you start to notice that people were like oh Jared you know what I mean get him in the drums because obviously a drummer's very hard to get you know what I mean somebody that yeah. can practice and bring their own kit and that did you realize by then that you were starting to get a lot more busier I don't think I was aware of it if that was happening. Honestly, I, I think that, um, I think at that time I was still just, um, just happy to be playing as much as possible. I never really thought about it any deeper than that. I didn't really start getting into doing session work until I moved to LA, which was 2009. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you did work with a band called, Ravens Moorland. That was mm -hmm. another one. How did mm -hmm. you get into that one? I love the name. I don't even know what a Moorland is, but I like the name of it. So this is a, an interesting one. So when I moved to LA, um, the drummer from, let me go back to when I joined Hope Conspiracy. Yep. Because that was during the record called Endnote. And a different Jared played on that record. Jared Alexander played on that record. And um, we became really tight, super close friends. And he, he lived in LA and he was playing with Ravens Moreland. Like he was, there's a guy named Bruce Moreland and it's his band. And Bruce is a legend. He was in, um, he was in wall of voodoo, you know, Mexican radio, that song, Mexican radio. I don't, but no. Okay. Check it out. It's <laughs> yeah, a big, it was, it was a big song. Um, and so he was in that band and he started this goth band and Jared would play with them and he couldn't do a gig. So he called me to fill in for him. And then we just um, would switch back and forth on who could do the gig. And we would just play around town, you know, nothing huge, but it was definitely, um, it was definitely the most LA welcoming thing I've ever done. Cause as soon as I got to LA, I'm playing with like these goth bands and a guy who was in this huge band at one point and we're, you know, playing these like cool little underground bars at like four in the morning or whatever. It was just, it was wild. It was a good time. But uh, that was my introduction into uh, to the LA kind of hired gun world 
Were you have you always been like full time drummer? You've never like had a you ever had a side job where you always been able to sustain through like session work and being in a band, you're always on tour, was it have you always been full time drumming? No, I um I worked in bike shops for, for a long time as a bike mechanic. Um and then so in Philly I worked at one just as like a salesman and then when I moved to LA I started working at a bike shop where uh we were doing high end racing bike builds, pro builds and repairs. And, uh, and I did that for, I'd say a solid 10 years. You know, I was a mechanic there. I was a salesman there. And, um, I was able to work with some incredible, incredible, um, athletes and uh, professional cycling teams. And so that became a big part of my life as well, too. I started racing bikes and, um, getting really into the cycling world outside of outside of the music which is funny because um there's a huge crossover a lot of people i know in the music world i met on the bike oh really yeah how did you um when when did you move to la then was that 2009 uh, 2009 what was the the point in that was it just like to go and there's more work and there's better music yeah that I way? there's kinda, more opportunity i thought so i just kind of wanted to be further away from where i was comfortable you know, and in Philadelphia, I just kind of felt like I had done everything I needed to do and I wanted out. So I wanted to go as far as possible. And I was working for a band called Seosin at the time, and they're based out of L.A. And so I would just go on tour with them. You know, I'd move to L.A., go on tour as a drum tech and stage manager and um, and just see what I can do. And as soon as I got here, I started getting a couple gigs and, you know, it wasn't anything huge. I worked my way up, but it was like staying busy and I felt like I needed to um work a little bit harder you know it's more expensive to live I have no one here I didn't move here with friends or family I just moved here by myself so yeah I wanted that drive I wanted that push you know I wish I was as motivated as that I'm scared to I'm scared to change I hate it uh I I I just needed it you know I, I haven't left so maybe I'm afraid of change now but I wasn't at the time you know how old were you then when you moved to LA? Uh, now I'm going to have to do math. I'm not very good at that. Well, how old are Let's you think, now? I'm 42 years old now. So okay, I moved so you're here. 28. You're 28. That's the Look age at I you. am. Yeah, Look at I'm, you. That's... Yeah, I'm 28. <laughs> That's, this could be my call. And like, you know what I mean? If you can do it, why can't I? You know what I mean? Yeah, of course <laughs> you can do it. Um. Right, so... 2012 is Raymond's Moreland. Have I missed anything mm. out? Has my research been okay so far? Have I missed any projects out? Any other bands I didn't know about? Anything like that? Hmm. I mean, there's been things that I've done. Um, again, when filling in for Jared Alexander with Dead Country and um, and then touring with Dark Waves, um, which is the same the same singer as Dead Country. It's a guy named Nick Long. He's a, a well-known songwriter now. And um, so we toured together quite a bit and then um, did some like session stuff together. We did some funny things. Actually, one time, this is really weird. One time, I, I don't even know how this came about. I was playing drums for a comedy show on Sunset Boulevard. You know, like in between comedians, there's like a band and we're just like playing and like we had, I don't know, like weird songs that we had to play to keep people entertained for transitions. And so I had Nick come in and play with us on one of them. And um, 
and it was with Reggie Watts. And I remember it was actually one of the hardest gigs I've ever had to do because I'm sitting behind my drums and I'm watching a comedian and I haven't watched it yet. It's not rehearsed at all. You know, it's like, we're just kind of figuring it out as we go. But as soon as he lands his like biggest punchline, we have to start playing. So I'm cracking up, like waiting for the punchline the whole time, laughing. He says it, I'm laughing, but we have to play to keep everyone entertained. You know, it was really challenging. It was, it was pretty interesting. That was a Quite fun game. as well, you might never know when the punchline's coming. So you could be sitting there hanging on the beat for, for a good like 20, 30 seconds and you're just like waiting like there that. There we go. In there. Yeah. yeah, he says it and he goes, thank you very nice. Thank you already. And you go, oh, you got to play now, but I'm laughing and I don't even know what we're going to play anymore. You know, <laughs> it's funny. That was a fun a cool gig. Job to have. That's a cool job to have. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. I did it like two or three times only, but it was cool. How did you get, is it just like, again, word of mouth? Jared's exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. You know, just try and meet people and be cool every time you get a chance to like talk to someone. Just don't, don't be, don't be an asshole, you know? Yeah. Be humble about it. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, right. So we're at 2011, 2012 now. And this is where I find out who Jared is through a mm. band called Pure Love. Mm-hmm. How, how did that start? All right. Okay. I can kind of guess, obviously, through, uh, through gym that would right. be it but how did all that kick off obviously Frank Leif Gallows there's uh, Jim was in Suicide File as well um, mm-hmm. both those stop Frank and Jim connect some, somewhere in the States decide mm-hmm. to want to make more male music how do you get involved in that uh, at that time it was interesting because they were living in New York and I was living in LA and um they needed, they had, they had been working with drummers in New York and it was working out fine. Um, but then, you know, they were going to London to do pre-production and we were going to be living in England for a little bit. And, um, the producer that they were working with between the, the producer they were working with and the timeline that they were working to do it in, um, they decided that they would give me a call and see if I'd be interested in doing it. And I was, and it was great. We went out to, Henley on Thames River, you know, like we, we lived at, lived at the studio for a couple months and we just, yeah, we just kind of came with everything we had and just wrote this first record together. Um, a lot of it was, was already demoed, but we kind of went in with fresh ears and started, started over, you know, and then, um, went back to New York and recorded it and then did about two solid years of touring England. I think it was like almost two solid years. So was that the Mitch, Thomas Mitch in our lineup? Was he mm-hmm. in there with you? So you, yeah. Mitch, Frank, and Jim, the original kind of pure love. And a guy named Joel Mulholland was playing bass. Oh, I uh, he was, oh so was, well, was Mitch not bass? No, Mitch was playing guitar. Um, Mitch was on guitar and keys. And then um, Joel was playing bass. And then when Joel couldn't do it anymore, we had James Leach come in. Oh, from Sixth? Yeah. Oh, I never knew that. Christ. Yeah, okay, so James. I'd, yeah, so I'd seen Pure Love uh, in Edinburgh. And then now, um, oh, what's it called? It was a fucking, it was a karaoke nightclub in Edinburgh. Uh, and that was on the, the tour with Pop Supported. Yeah. 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 
yeah, 2013. It was just for my 18th birthday. So you you would have been at that gig. I didn't I didn't yeah. realize. Right, okay, so that yeah, because that was the week that anthems got released, and I remember yes, giving it. They were giving it merch like, don't tell you know what I mean. Like we shouldn't be doing this, but here you go. You can have it early. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that was um, Joel playing bass. Right. Okay. Yeah. I never knew that. Mm-hmm. Um, so how was the recording experience with that? We're recording anthems in. Amazing, uh, incredible. On top of Frank and I had been friends for a long time already, uh, and Jim and I obviously had a rich history. But then getting to work with Gil Norton and Dan Austin was just unreal. I mean, they're just both incredible. So we we did some cool stuff together, you know, and and it and it went great. I'm really proud of that record. I still listen to that record, and I still think it sounds phenomenal. And I'm really happy with the songs too. So yeah, I'm really. I have nothing bad to say about anything that happened during that. It's 10 years old this year, mate. 10 years old. Wow, that's crazy. I know, that makes me feel very old. It was, my 18th, yeah. it was like my 18th birthday was like the week after it came out. I remember it well. And then, yeah, somebody put it up on uh, on Instagram. It was like 10 years. I was like, fucking hell. I think I remember that show too. Um, I remember we played there a couple times. We played Edinburgh a few times. Excuse me. But I remember... I remember that one specifically, and I don't, I don't recall why. If something happened, did something happen at that show? The only thing I can really remember um, is there was a competition online on the, like the Pure Love like Facebook or something, and then the winner was that that was in the crowd, and Frank basically said, "Help yourself to anything in merch." That's the only thing I can really think of that was different than other any other show. Um, no, I honestly can't I remember. Uh, Maybe I remember being Frank amazing. Used, yeah, it was amazing. He I used to, that. Oh, I appreciate that. Well, I remember he, because he would always put my drums in some random place in the crowd and I'd have to play. Yes. Them. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that was, maybe I got tackled at that show. That might have been the show that I got tackled, really. Like we were playing and they were circle pitting around me. And then all of a sudden, I was just gone. And Frank just looked around and I remember him being like, where is. Where is he? Someone just tackled me off the drums and they had to like crawl my way back to find, you know, so we could start the song again. It was during a riot song. It was always riot, riot song, song at the end. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yep. That was always a lot of fun life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember, and then because at that time, the pure love ball was rolling quite fast because also off the back of Gallows, uh, there was a lot of hype around everything. Pure love got to tour with Paramore quite early on as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that was quite. You know, I mean, that's been that's a great first. It wasn't. I wasn't the first. Was it one of the first years? Maybe we, it was. A sport it, was it was kind of early on. We did. Um, I remember we did this big show in Ireland with them. Some outdoor show in Ireland that was. Um, that was kind of early on, and I remember Haley wore a Pure Love shirt on, and that kind of went a little viral. Oh, and nice. people were yeah. making like people were making bootleg Pure Love shirts because they didn't realize it was a band. They just thought it was just it was that. Just our logo, which was yeah. a white shirt with the black the black block letters that just said pure love. Yeah. I had one of those and I had a total mint one and my ex wore it one night and she took it home with her and I never got it back. Which I total ah. shame because they were they were nice to just like plain bold, you know what I mean? Nothing mm-hmm. else around it, just black letters. Eh? Um, yeah. yeah. Do you remember the first show? The it was Scala in London. That was the first yeah. gig. 
Yeah, yeah we all wore that? suits. Yeah. Yeah, I love the video of that when the, the big balloons came out. Uh, yeah. Was that nerve-wracking? Because obviously everyone, you know what I mean, free, free conceptions in terms of like, oh, is Frank going to be hitting his head off the mic and jumping into the crowd and like spitting on people? Was Obviously, that wasn't going to happen, but what was it like going into that? What were you as, were you as nervous? Well, obviously, you've been nervous. It's your first show as a band. Yeah, there was nerves. There was excitement. There was um, a sense of accomplishment that we had finally done this thing. Uh, that was that seemed unattainable, you know, just because of where we were all like, you know, located different places and just trying to pull it all together. Uh, it just it was an incredible show. It was really awesome. I remember walking out on stage for the first time with it. And it was like, yeah, it just felt like this um, was kind of, you know, family on stage. And we we did a lot after that moment. You know, we stayed together for quite a bit. I always thought as well that um, March of the Pilgrims is one of the most underrated kind of rock songs, in my opinion. I love that song, but it's obviously the, the last, second last song of the album, the last song of the album. But again, yeah. just just so underrated as a song. Um, oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, that's a dropped, fun one. Got dropped live towards the end as well, which was a shame. Yeah, towards because it's it was a little slow, right? So it had like um, it had to it had to be done right, you know. And I, I don't know, after I stopped playing with them on the last couple shows, because I couldn't do it, uh, at the last tour, they had somebody else playing drums. Um, I don't know what, what had happened. I don't know what those shows were like then. But for us, when I was in the band, especially when we were doing big festivals and stuff, we didn't have as much time. So we had to decide what songs. And that was a longer song. Yeah. So we had to, that one usually was the first to get cut. Did you play the Redden show when Frank got put around the tent on uh, yeah. an inflatable yeah, that was cool. I always mind that video. I, could, I didn't go to that show, but that was always a total classic to look back on now. When they went outside the tent and then back in yeah, the other back side. In, yeah, back in, yeah. There were a lot of fun. I, I seen Pure Love twice. Uh, one was at Edinburgh gig, and then one was on the Bunny Tour, the last um, the last tour okay. they did. Uh, and they were always just such fun gigs, total opposite to what other gigs I was going to at the time. So I was going to like, a lot of like metal gigs and hardcore gigs, but it was like it was like fun rock with a bit yeah. of balls about it, you know what I mean? That's that's exactly, that's probably the best way to describe Pure Love. So, um, yeah. how how did you end up not, you never really left Pure Love because you, you just couldn't do those last dates, but how did how did you know that Pure Love was coming to an end? Was it just the opportunities just were kind of drying up? Uh, I'm not really sure. I mean, that wasn't my call necessarily. I think that where it was when I couldn't do it anymore, um, they, I think that at that point, um, there wasn't as many, there weren't as many opportunities coming for the band. And so, uh, I had to, at that point, I think I was already playing with Boys That's Fire and we were very active. So I had to just kind of decide, you know, like which one was going to kind of take over because I, I couldn't do both. I think there were too many conflicting dates at one point. So I had to just try to decide that whoever came to me first and Boyce's Fire at that time was coming to me like pretty regularly, weekly with a new offer. That oh, was nice. before I was a member of the band. I was just hired to play with. Yeah. I was always kind of documented like when when uh, Jim and Frank were in their punk bands, they were always, they got dealt a great hand but didn't know how to play. With Pure Love, they got dealt a really bad hand but they knew how to play the game well kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, Mm-hmm. They were both experienced in it, but the luck of Pure Love just wasn't great. I remember the kind of slowing down years for the kind of last year just was a 
bit of a so the album was only released like a year before the the breakup was called really um the anthems album yeah anthems was January, february 2013 and then the breakup was announced on to february 2014 and then the ep came out yeah the bunny ep yeah but you didn't you yeah, didn't which, play in the bunny ep it was a uh, the boy from slipknot that played on it i'm sure yeah jay weinberg uh, did it yeah jay weinberg yeah yeah, but you... they did do songs that that I was part of writing, and in fact, there's a documentary um, that was done at Angel Studio in Islington, the Hurricane one, one for Relentless. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's offline now. I can't find it, but yeah, I remember it. Yeah, so that's one in during that session we wrote a bunch of those songs. I think two of those songs. So yeah, Hurricane was definitely one. Yeah, and then there was one more, or maybe even two more that are on that, but I can't remember. Um, I can't remember it all right now. I mean, if you've got any unreleased Pure Love songs, get them out there. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a ton of demos, a ton of them. Um, I actually found them not that long ago. I was listening to something and I was like, what is this? And it was just some, you know, working title song and I went and put it on and it was us riffing on something, you know? Sick, it's fun. You're teasing me there, mate. You're teasing me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so... You go on, so maybe maybe Jago took over from Live Duties uh, for Pure Love. He was in. Did he do live? Yeah, he yeah he did live. He was definitely doing live. He did the King Touch show because um, he did the whole bring the drum kit in, um, and oh, right cool. on. Thought... Yeah, it was King Touch they played because you played King Touch on the tour before that, and then mm. they played they played like, they played King Touch again, and I went to the the King Touch show in the the last tour, and the cool. Bunny tour, yeah. Uh, so you were doing Boy Sets Fire at the time? Yeah. That was the one. So how did that come around then, Boy Sets Fire? Um, actually, we were doing, Pure Love was on tour, and we were somewhere, I think we were in Manchester, and I got a phone call from their manager or tour manager who said that um, they needed a drummer, and my name came up. And I said, oh, well, cool, I'm in Manchester right now. And he says, yeah, I know, I'm around the corner. I said, I don't know what that means. He goes, I'm literally... <laughs> around the corner from the hotel you're staying in, there's a venue. Come say hi. So I walked out the hotel, went around the corner. There was a venue and he was there with Lagwagon. And I went upstairs, said hi, met him, and, um, and then flew to, uh, to meet them from that tour and start playing with them because Hope Conspiracy had toured with them in 2000, 2003, I think. We met them, became friends with them, and I used to go see them play all the time when I was a kid in basements and VFW halls. So I was always a fan, and uh, and so yeah, we we they just remembered me and they thought I would be a good replacement for the drummer that they needed, and so um, I went over and have been with them ever since. I was just in Germany with them last weekend. How many records have you done? I only know about the self-titled one. Yeah, that's all I've done. It's all, yeah, right, okay. Mm-hmm. And the Sweet. live recordings that were done, um, the 20th anniversary live recordings. Uh, oh, they've been those. going for a while, I take it then. Yeah. Boy, so we're coming up, okay. coming up on 30 years. Wow. That's mm-hmm. crazy. And I've been with them for like 10, so. That's crazy. So, mm-hmm. Boy Sets Fire, is that, well, all I've got next is Ways Away. And that's, yeah. is, um, well, you did something with a band called Waves. With two Vs? That's Dark Waves. Oh, Dark Waves. Waves. Well, with no, so both. Okay, so the Waves with two Vs. I didn't play with Waves 
but I did a side project with the singer. Um, and we d- and the and the singer from Culture Abuse as well. And that was called I think just Culture Abuse Wave Split. They didn't we didn't come up with a creative name or anything for it. But we did a couple <laughs> songs and they're really cool songs, yeah. Um I did that. Um and then uh there the other thing I was talking about was Dark Waves, which is a band I toured with. Um with that guy Nick Long from that I that I mentioned earlier. And then um yeah, there's a lot in between that, but not as a member of the band. You know, Ways Away is a band that I started with um Sergi and Jesse. And then we got Ian involved as well too. But um I mean I I've been I've toured with you know, I was playing with Seal for three years. I don't know if that's yeah, on I've got there. that written down. Yeah, Seal, yeah. 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 Uh I was playing with a girl named Meg Myers for two or three years as well. Um I toured with Ceremony, I toured with the Aquabats, I toured with um oh man. I wish I could even remember. One of the big ones I've got is obviously uh the Bronx Mariachi band. Oh yeah, obviously, yeah. The Bronx Obviously, yeah. 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 I do I mean, so I I started playing with the Bronx probably seven years ago. And I started playing in the, the actual Bronx or in the mariachi band. Yeah, well, the actual you, Bronx first. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So you replace? Yeah, sorry, Joey. Joey replaced you then. No, I've never been in the band. I've always just been the filler. Ah, right. Okay. So before Joey was in the band, it was Dave Hidalgo, and I was Dave's filling. Right. For a couple tours, and then Joey joined the band, and he couldn't do a couple tours, so then I would continue filling in for him, nice. and then. I started doing the mariachi stuff uh, four or five years ago. Why did Joey not want to do mariachi? Just not his scene. I'm not really sure. Yeah, I don't think yeah. he. I don't think that's really his thing. So, they. I don't know. I'm not really sure. It's such but, a. I love that's all about the Bronx. You can just like go from this fucking mental hardcore punk band to. Mm. The mariachi side of it, you know what I mean, and it's. I'd love to go to you get festivals where the Bronx will play a set, and then the mariachi band. Uh, before I was in the band, they did a tour of both together. It's just a lot. Yeah. It's a lot to coordinate. You know? Yeah, a lot I've of seen members. that before. That'd be, that'd be amazing to do, but it's a lot, yeah. obviously, like you said. It's a lot, yeah. But um, yeah. So obviously those two, I and then also I was touring with the Rentals for a couple of years, which was really cool. Um. And then this, yeah, like pop singers and stuff, you know, this girl named Sin was playing with her for a while. And, uh, you know, just, I don't know. I like to be challenged, you know. That's good. Just, uh, yeah, obviously yeah. you're very, com- like, as well in, as an appearance, you clearly are in the, in the scene of like the hardcore scene or metal scene. But obviously it's good that you, I hate to say the word spread your wings, but that's essential what you've done is mm-hmm. you've, broadened your horizons as well and you're picking out things that just wouldn't suit you you know what I mean sometimes but you challenge yourself to do it and also that opens more doors and other avenues kind of thing so yeah, yeah. actually commendable I mean, mate I appreciate that you know like I I try really hard to not just be stuck in one thing you know and like um, I've never really done a full metal band but like you know with the punk stuff or the hardcore stuff you know if you listen to the things that I've done it's definitely more rock based so i'm definitely more of a rock drummer you can hear that my background my background really does come from rock you know but um and all the jazz stuff is um is really it it really comes into play with everything i've done you know when i was with seal 
I had to use it all. He wanted the energy when we're playing rock and Rio and I have to use my, you know, my listening skills and my jazz stuff that I learned for when we're doing the lighter songs. And, um, it's all involved, you know, everything needs to be used at all times. And I just, I try not to be closed-minded or pigeonholed into one thing because it just doesn't make sense to me. You know? Is there anything you have turned down? Not, not because of, not because of like you didn't have the time, but just because you thought, nah, that's just not for me. Is there anything like that? No. No? No. I've, no. So nothing is off limits. Perfect. Well, I mean, there would be things off limits, you know, there would be like, you know, if they're bad people involved and I'm not. Oh, yeah, in that. Yeah, thing. yeah. I, I mean, from a music perspective in terms of like genres and, you know, what I mean, like there's nothing that you would. You mean, you, you've gone from like playing in a comedy club to to bringing in punchlines to, to hardcore shows, you know, what I mean, that. Yeah. But yeah, I get obviously working with people with bad reputations or, you yeah. know, what I mean, stories about them as. Yeah, I'm assuming you've had a few offers like that. that you've thought, nah, I'm not doing that. Yeah, I don't entertain that. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I know my strengths and I know my weaknesses. And if something came up where they said, would you want to do this? And it wasn't the thing for me, I would say no. But I, don't, I haven't had that happen because no one's come to me with something that they, they don't think I could do, you know? Is there anything and you so, think you couldn't do or that would be really out of the way? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I could be in like Animals as Leaders or something, you know? I couldn't be in one of those crazy prog bands. That's not, I mean, I could, I'm sure I could figure it out, but it's not what comes natural to me. And I, I wouldn't do at all what the, those, those guys can do. That's just like how they hear and how they play. That's just not, my, my version of that would not be as entertaining, you know? Yeah. So, Ways Away, this is kind of the last one. Apart from the J.J. Peters album from. Uh, prom queen you did oh yeah that's right didn't you yeah naughty boy yeah uh, so apart from that we've got ways away that's the kind of last thing that's ongoing for you i'm sure just now am i right mm -hmm. yeah, yeah we're, uh, we're leaving for europe uh next week uh, so how did ways away start then so the guy who he's actually not in the band anymore but the original bass player is uh another jared and he and I had always talked about doing a band together. And then he had met Sergi at like a Cro-Mag show or something. And they were both, and Sergi and I had talked about doing a band together. And then they were both, hey, we should start a band. And he was like, I know someone. And he was like, oh yeah, who? And he's like, another Jared. He's like, that's funny. I was just talking about that too. So, um, so then we got together and started writing songs or taking songs that were um, in existence that Sergi had laying around that weren't used with Sam I Am or any of his other bands. And just started messing around with them and then we were like you know this would be this would be really great if jesse would want to sing on this like I, we know he's got a great voice um, let's present it to him and just see you know and he was really stoked and, and ian who um was in racket club was um was available when when jared the other bass player couldn't continue on so we called ian he came over did the record real quick without even, I don't think I had even met the guy. He just recorded. Was that just the self-titled ways away? Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 And then, um, yeah. And we just, we just started kind of pushing it, you know, and Boy Sets Fire and Stick to Your Guns both play a lot of the same festivals and shows in, in Germany. So we spend a lot of time together, me and Jesse. And, uh, and we were like, well, this seems to be working, you know, like time wise, we're able to make this work. And then, Sam I am 
had shows in between, but we were able to figure out how to keep practicing and, um, and just kept writing. And it's just something that that's, that's taking off a lot more because we have, we all live in the same city. So when we're off tour, we're able to come in here into the room that I'm in right now and just work on songs and go down the street and, um, find someone, you know, we know people all over the place where we can record somewhere get a single out. Um, I could do demos here and I don't know. We just, we're just very active on our own. We're very motivated, you know, and it's, it's been a lot of fun. And I, and I, I'm a huge fan of, of Jesse and I'm a huge fan of Sergi's music as well too. So it's just been, it's been, uh, easy because we all get along really well and respect each other, you know? And then Ian in racket club, which is an awesome record. If you haven't heard it, it's incredible. Um, he, he's a great bass player and we, I don't know. It's just been, it's been fun. It's been pure fun, which is something that doesn't always happen in music. It must be, because I don't do anything to do with music, it must be great being in a profession that like if you, because essentially this is a job in a sense that you're going into a new job that's a band and you're going in with these people that you already know and respect and you, you get this like excitement to create something with that must be like a great feeling going in. Obviously, the ways away, you've just described that to a T of what was happening, you know what I mean? And you've got, like you said, you, you live close by to each other. With a lot of bands you've had have been like stationed other places, but you can literally all just congregate anything you want really straight into the studio. That must be very, like, as well as convenient, and it must be a good feeling in total in general. Yeah, well, it's kind of, it has a feeling of when, what it was like when you were starting to play music because you would be with, your friends that lived in your town or in your neighborhood that you started your first bands with, you know? And that's the same thing that we're doing now. We all live in the same city. We're not like super close to each other, but we have this room that we come into once or twice a week. And even if it's just running through the songs that we already know, or if it's us coming up with new ideas or writing new records and then writing new ideas where we, we just like hit record and just have it there. So we have it for later use. Like, I don't know. It's exactly how it was when I was a kid only I'm an adult and it's not a task cam four track recording onto a tape that, you know, you taped over something else. It's just onto a computer that just stays there forever. It's onto garage band, mate. <laughs> yeah. Onto, onto garage band on my phone. <laughs> you made a, you made press and record there sound very, very easy. <laughs> yeah. That, half an hour. Yeah. Is it still recording? Yeah, it's still, still going. Oh, perfect. Perfect. We're, I think we're kind of at the end of it now. Anyway, um, great. Anything coming up, mate, that you've got, um, Apart from Ways Away, any, you got any other bands? You're touring with Mariachi, aren't you? Yeah, we just uh, we just finished doing our Cinco de Mayo shows that we always do every year. Um, we do a cool run of like a week of shows or something, and then ended it in the in Joshua Tree, which was a blast. Um, I had a record just come out on Relapse Records. This band called Rambo, which was a a great Defy Extinction. Yeah, yeah, I had that one written down. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really proud of that. It's a it's a it's a heavy record. A lot of D beats. It's fast. You know, it's good record. I will admit because obviously I've had to do a lot of like research, and I, there's a lot of it I knew already. Um, the Ravens Moorland and the Rambo records I have not listened to. I've just written them down as reference. Sure. But I definitely the way you describe Ravens Moorland, I'll give that a listen, and I'll definitely will give the Rambo record a listen. I never recorded anything with Ravens Moorland. I just played the songs. Oh, the Rambo you? Right, record. Okay, sure. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. I'll still Rambo, listen to it. Why not? Yeah, go for it. 
Uh, Defy Extinction is a great record. Came out on Relapse, and I'm really proud of that one. Also, old Philly friends. Um, so it was like cool kind of family of people that I've known my whole life, you know, since I got into the punk world. Um, and uh, yeah, and then Mariachi did those shows and, uh, and Ways Away is getting ready to go out. Um, so after that, I'll be, I'll be back in the end of the year with Chuck Reagan playing with him, so his solo stuff. And uh, Paint of Black has, has some stuff coming out that should be within the next year or two or next year probably. So yeah, some stuff, some some cool stuff coming up. Anything in the UK coming up? Yeah, I'll be in the UK with Ways trees, Away. I think you're doing. Yeah, yeah. The last show of this tour is Two Thousand Trees. Yeah, and you're doing the Black Heart in London as well. Yeah, uh, we are. Yeah. yeah, I actually tried to get that work, but I've already got three three arranged plans. I would have loved to come down that and meet you. Um, oh yeah, that would be great. Sucks. Is there well, anything in Scotland coming up? Not yet, but uh, you know that can that can definitely change. You know we. This first tour, we just, it, it's our first time going over. So we had to be very strategic with how we did it. Um, yeah. But moving forward from here, we can definitely make, you know, bigger steps to like hit different places and, and go up to Scotland and try and work our way uh, outside of the spots that, that are easy to get to. 2003 is also a great festival as well. That's, uh, I, think, I think, is that your first UK festival as uh, Ways, Ways Away? It is, yeah. The first yeah. UK festival and our last show of the tour. And I think Frank's headlining it. So. He is, yeah. Yeah, it's a uh, soft play. The, the old slaves, they're playing as well. So oh, cool. uh, it's annoying I can't get, again, time off work and money. I'm just a bitch sometimes uh, having to be an adult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it doesn't make it easy for us either, but we, uh, we make the commitments that we have agreed to do these dates. So now we have to... Uh, Make it happen, and we'll be there, you know. And then we'll we'll figure out the next one. We'll 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 work our way up to Scotland. I would love to. Is the garage still there? The garage, the garage, yeah. the garage, the garage. I <laughs> the, the garage is still standing. Who did you play there with? Uh, Hope Conspiracy played there a couple times. Um, it was always a wild scene. Yeah. Oh, the garage is one of the best venues in in Glasgow. Yeah. As uh, soon I, as you're done playing, they just they they're like loading your stuff out so that the nightclub can start and the, like the yeah. cages would start dropping down from the ceiling and it was wild. One of the best nights there. I seen a band called Lower Than Atlantis there, and yeah, again you get kicked out, and then as you're getting kicked out, they're blowing up a, a bouncy castle behind you because yeah. that's the best combination is alcohol and bouncy castles. Always, always, always yeah. a fun Tuesday in the garage. That's right. That place was wild every single time we played there. I think it was maybe only three or four times. It was you knew what you were getting yourself into, and every time it was exactly that. You know, it didn't matter if it was snowing; it didn't like you know everyone's just partying, and I, I just recall it being really hot inside and freezing cold outside, and just didn't stop anyone. Well, you're an American, so like freezing cold to you is probably like pretty good weather for us over here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I couldn't feel my face, but everyone's in shorts and a t-shirt. <laughs> I meant to say as well, uh, I did a podcast with somebody about a year ago, uh, and they were in a band called The Hunt for Ida Wave. Remember them? I don't. Hardcore, nah. Uh, anyway, he said that you played in a little venue in Swindon in the, in the Hope Conspiracy back in the day. Yeah. Oh, Does with Johnny Truant. Yes, that's exactly it, mate. That's exactly yeah. it. Yeah. And I Defy. Might have been. I remember Johnny True yeah. getting mentioned as well. Uh, was that in the venue with a really high up barrier? 
I believe right? so. Yeah. Yeah. We were out with Johnny Truant and I Defy, and uh, we played in Swindon. We also did a BBC session at the Swindon, uh, the B- Swindon BBC on that one too. Yeah, that's, yeah. The, um, when I did the podcast, that's just along the roads and like next to a big car park. So is that recorded, the BBC session? We've done a couple. I don't know if that one was recorded. It must be. We've done a bunch of the um, the Radio 1 sessions. We did like yeah. three or four of them. But I that one, for these. I remember that one specifically because everybody was really sick and I felt fine. And we stayed at a <laughs> house, a mansion on top of a hill. And, uh, and I was sitting in a hot tub with wine and cheese. And it had disco lights in the hot tub. It was at the house that we were staying at. And I was just listening to Depeche Mode and I looked into the, the house and it just in almost like a, like a cartoon of each window being filled with one of the members of my band, sick, wrapped in a blanket, just looking at me, flipping me off, just like, well, I'm having the greatest night of my life by myself, you know, and they're all sick inside this place. Yeah. But that was after that show too. I'm nervous. I've never been told a story about guys eating wine and cheese in a bath in Swindon, but that's, that's our first. <laughs> yeah, you know, we were really roughing it on that tour. We actually were roughing it on it. We, it. That was the problem. We were sleeping in the van or whatever. We had a really rough go, but that was the one night that we all had nice rooms and they were all sick and I just, I just lived it up. It was great. <laughs> Do you miss those kind of tours going around in the back of vans, like postal vans back in the day? Obviously, I'm assuming in the the kind of level in the bands that you play with now, you're not slumming it to that degree these days. Um, yeah, I kind of miss it. You know, I, I think that there was, there was like um, a beauty in it and you learn a lot and it humbles you. To be honest, I mean, I don't know what this Ways Away tour is going to be like. It might be just like that again. You know, we're a small band doing our first tour in Europe. Like, I don't expect anything more than exactly that, you know? Yeah. So. I think it's I think it's exciting. I think it's um it makes you work, it makes you hungry, and it shows if you you know if you have what it takes as a band to get through it because you really have to come together, you know. But it's one of those ones well, you, you do the small ones and it makes you appreciate the the bigger, more luxury tours more. You know what I mean? You I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with you. Right. Well Jared, uh genuinely thank you so much. Uh thank you for spending half an hour trying to figure out an aux cable and <laughs> an interface and everything else. That was always fun. Um Yeah, we yeah, got it working. I, yeah. Uh but yeah, we've planned this for a couple of months now and I'm glad we finally got it done. So I, I pray to God that you've recorded this properly. <laughs> yeah, me too. We'll find uh, out. It's still going. I just need to hit stop at the right time and and save it. it should it, be oh, easy. Well, do like a wee click track into when you should stop it, like the first time. Yeah, yeah. I could, I could turn that on if you want. <laughs> right, so man. Right, well, uh, we'll talk a wee bit in a second, but yep, perfect. That's us done, but thank you, Jared. Thank you, man. I, w- I appreciate you asking me to do this. It was a lot of fun. <laughs>